What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast, where we cover all the innovation going on across the Bitcoin ecosystem. You know, Lightning, RSK, Stacks, Bitcoin, they're all citizens on this podcast. And I love talking to the founders building across this ecosystem. So I am your humble host, Jake Blockchain. And today I have Ragnar Lifthrosser on the podcast. Ragnar is an OG Bitcoiner. I think he said he bought his first one in 2013. Uh, he has a background in science as well as real estate. And he's also the founder of a new app called Trajan on Stacks. And so I want to talk to him about what he's building, some of his history, but also he's a he's a vocal proponent um, or opponent, if you will, of Bitcoin maxis in the way that they currently present themselves on Twitter. And I like the way that he he positioned himself as a Bitcoiner online. So I want to talk to him about uh, Bitcoin as a tool for freedom, the place of privacy. He has this, a company called Guns and Bitcoin. We explore some of that. We cover a ton of topics. Super, super interesting conversation. I titled this episode, A Realistic View of Bitcoin's Future. And I think if you listen to this, you will have some better data points for bringing that better future to Bitcoin to life. So without further ado, let me have a quick word from my sponsor before we jump into this fantastic episode. We all know Bitcoin is for the innovators, the revolutionaries, and the builders looking to build a better world for themselves and for the next generation. We also know the saying, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best time is right now. The same thing applies to building on Bitcoin. If you want to come build with the most active developer community building new use cases for Bitcoin, then it's time you make the leap to learning Clarity. Clarity is the Stacks smart contract programming layer, which enables us to work on DeFi, smart contracts, and so much more, all built with the safety and security that comes with Bitcoin. Start today by going to start.stacks.org. Start.stacks.org has a five-step journey that will take you from complete Stacks novice to teaching you clarity all the way to finding a job with a Web3 Stacks startup. Don't wait another month, year, or decade waiting to get involved in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Start building on Bitcoin today. Go to start.stacks.org to start learning and building today. Thank you to the Stacks Foundation for sponsoring this podcast. Without further ado, let's jump into this podcast episode with... Ragnar Lifthrosser, founder of Trajan. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. Ragnar, how are you doing, Dima, man? I'm well. How are you, Jake? I am fantastic. We were just talking before this about, you know, it's Thursday technically, but it feels like it's the weekend already, so uh, that's I, I'm ready to uh, you know go relax. But um, I'm excited. I'm excited to have you on. I've been seeing you as you come into the Stacks ecosystem, and um, especially as I've, as I've expanded my focus of the podcast, I kind of had a, a, a identity crisis of like what is a Bitcoiner, and I've started to realize like it, there's no one term. It's a very everyone has so much different brands. And that's what drew me to you is that I like your brand of Bitcoin in a sense where 
you're very pragmatic, but you're also you can be confrontational against you know bullshit, if you will, uh, which I like, especially when a lot of the uh, more hardline Bitcoiners have a different point of view than I might have. Um, so starting on that vein, I'd just be curious to hear when did you first find out about Bitcoin and what, what is it that fascinates you about Bitcoin? Yeah, thanks. Um, I got started in Bitcoin in 2011 on a Reddit uh, subreddit, actually, and bought my first Bitcoin 2011 and then 2012 bought my first uh, purchase using Bitcoin, which was a micro SD card and some electronic equipment back in 2012. Um, and so what interests me about Bitcoin is its ability to route around gatekeepers, the state or uh, PayPal or really anyone else. And I also like Bitcoin because it's a foundation for a whole new economy, a whole new economic system. So for me, Bitcoin is more than just peer-to-peer -peer cash. It's like the base layer for everything else we're building and stocks is just like another layer built on that foundation of Bitcoin. Very cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think that's going to set the stage for some later conversations we'll definitely dive into. Uh, but before we get into more, because I want to bracket that with like, later on, I'd like to discuss kind of like the flavors of Bitcoin as they've evolved, because I got into crypto a year ago. And so what people fight about now seems foreign to me, it seems very stupid. Um, so I'll touch on that in a little bit, but let's kind of dance around a little bit. And I want to kind of get to know you a little more. So what is what is some of your personal background what's your kind of expertise that you do in your like professional life yeah i have sort of a different background i've lived three or four lives i feel like um so i've done a few things uh like in terms of education i have a background in research and medicine um i've done farm pharmacy research phase three clinical trials um, I've done a lot of real estate is mostly what I focused on pre Bitcoin. So I have a master's in real estate development from an Ivy league school. I've been a general contractor construction. I had my real estate sales license. So I've done development, uh, investing in real estate, uh, property management, sort of everything you could kind of touch on real estate. I've, I've, I've done it. Um, and then in terms of like my transition from real estate and construction to Bitcoin came in. Roughly 2013, 2014, I founded the International Blockchain Real Estate Association, which is my attempt to try to get the real estate industry to adopt Bitcoin and blockchain. Um, and then I had a startup in 2016, 2017 called Velox. We created the first and I think only uh, Bitcoin blockchain token that was used to transfer ownership of a property. We did that in um, partnership with uh, the second largest county in the US, which is Chicago. So did that successfully and then left the whole real estate blockchain space 2018 because I realized two things. Um, I was just way too early to try to integrate those offset as off chain off off chain assets uh, with Bitcoin and blockchain. And also this was right after, you know, the ICO boom. And there were so many of these scam real estate ICOs. So I was just kind of burnt out on everything in that sense. So I just got back to basics with Bitcoin. And then here we are today, 2022, um, getting involved in stacks, have my startup Trajan. So that's sort of the, the short version, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah, that's interesting. It seems like, because the more time I spend in, as an outside observer of tech, you read it and you go, oh my God, my fridge is going to have QR codes and it's going to scan things. And it's going to come from Amazon. And like the automated future seems like it's right around the corner. 
when you're just, you know, reading Reddit and whatever it is, reading the headlines, TechCrunch. But then when you kind of get closer to it, you realize how much work goes into it and how much like execution and like fighting regulation and all these different things come into play. Um, how do you feel like that interplays with the current, the ICO craze? I can see that, you know, it's all hype marketing, 1% or less is actually good. What's your pulse on how the kind of like Bitcoin crypto space is now? You know, the Bitcoin space especially is kind of in a strange spot because um especially bitcoin i think because there's some disillusionment where a lot of us thought bitcoin would be farther along than it is now in terms of programmability adoption privacy fungibility and then on the other hand you have these other blockchains that have innovated like ethereum solana and a few others Monero. And despite all these other blockchains weaknesses and trade-offs, they actually have innovative, innovated where Bitcoin has not innovated. And so I think a lot of uh, Bitcoiners especially are trying to figure out what's next and what direction to head. And you see this schism in Bitcoin where you have people who are just sound money and that's all it is as an asset. And you have people like me and I think probably people like you who want to who understand Bitcoin can do much more than that. So we're pushing for that. So it's a it's a turning point, I think, for Bitcoin. But I think I'm also excited because seeing the success of early success of stacks, the smart people in stacks and, and some other related things. I'm optimistic long term for for where this is going. Definitely. Yeah, there's a there's a you have a good argument that I heard you talk about, like the 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 arguments that Bitcoin maxes, as you will, will say are fundamentally like moral arguments, mm-hmm. which gets which gets messy. I can I can imagine because when you're fighting a moral argument, you have like a a sense of righteousness, like superiority mm-hmm. almost, mm-hmm. and also um, there's like you tie your identity with your morals. So when you attack, and I've seen this, I've seen this talked about by Tim Urban at Wait But Why, where he talks about highbrow and lowbrow conversations. And mm-hmm. lowbrow, in his mind, is when you when you intertwine idea with identity. Mm-hmm. And so, like when you're fighting over Republican and Democrat, it's like I am a Republican, so I am Trump in some sense or whatever it is. And highbrow is like. We throw our ideas in the arena and they skirmish and then whoever has the better idea wins, but I'm unscathed. And that see you, you have a, a, a way of describing that. I'd love, I'd love to hear you kind of articulate that. That was interesting. Oh, thank you. Yeah. To me, maximalism is built on uh, two assumptions. One is that Bitcoin is inherently morally good, just in and of itself. It is, it is good. Um, like you might think of charity as good and bravery as good and fairness is good. Bitcoin itself is a moral uh, good rather than being a neutral you know, tool and just software um, that you can do um, bad and good things with. So that's the first one of maximalism, that Bitcoin is inherently good and not neutral. And the second assumption, which kind of leads from the first, is that therefore only Bitcoin is good. Only people who use only Bitcoin are good non-Bitcoin things are bad and those who use non-Bitcoin things are bad. And so when you start with those two assumptions, it leads to a lot of bad consequences, some of which you alluded to and some other ones. And 
unfortunately, this this moral foundation of maximalism is actually anti-progress, anti-technology, anti-logic, anti-reason. Um, so I think that's partly why Bitcoin has stagnated is because of maximalism and their their basic assumptions being completely wrong. So if we're trying to, I like that. I like that framing a lot. I'm just, how do we, I'm trying to think of like painting a better future. And there's always, there's always, there's, there's the idea. I think it's in like uh, Lao Tzu where he says like, you want to give your enemy a golden bridge to retreat on. Mm. And I think that we're currently in that phase where we're still fighting over different layers of abstraction, if you will, um, or we hold different assumptions and so you know we're building off of those and we're fighting at a higher level but we're not down here and so i'm trying to figure out like how do do you is there ways that we can have them start to come off of their point of view without being so triggered in some sense I, that that word i use lightly because it's already kind of a thing but uh yeah i think it's tough um, to do that because because maximalism kind of functions like a cult where their entire identity, worldview, moral framework is wrapped up in this thing, trying to kind of unlock that with with reason and logic and diplomacy is quite difficult. Um, so I, I just think it's hard. Um, but we talked about this on a a Twitter space, Munib and I and some other guys talked about this. And so what do we do with maximalism, right? Because we we do want to build bridges and try to transition out of this and try to make a good case uh, for more Bitcoin rationalism. And to me, there's two approaches to sort of answer your question. I think the best one is just to innovate and just ignore and just build. And that's Munib's, I think, primary strategy and others is let's just build and the results will speak for themselves. And you're already kind of seeing that. Um, like for me, that's also what it took because I haven't owned anything but Bitcoin since 2011 up until last year where I started to accept uh, Monero, uh, one of my businesses, and then, you know, now Stacks. And I did that and got back into Stacks because I saw the results. And one reason I got into Monero because I saw the results. I'm very empirical and skeptical. So once I saw that Monero actually works and Stacks actually works, it's like there's no other argument for me that I need to kind of hear. Um, and so building, I think, is a good solution to the maximalism problem. Let people see the results for themselves. Let them use the tech and be convinced of that. Um, and then the second less effective one is simply to just like keep pushing the correct arguments uh, that, that many make. And that will have an effect. Um, you know, as you know, like the, the, min the, the loud minority sometimes wins. Um, and so we have to understand that a lot of maximalists are actually in the small minority of everyone who owns Bitcoin. So on one hand, we can't overestimate their influence. Um, there's a really great anecdote about this. And this was in the Bitcoin Magazine conference in Miami, this last one. And there was a panel discussion and the person running the panel said, oh, I want to find out if this is like a maximalist audience. And so we asked people to raise their hands, do they own Bitcoin? And pretty much everyone raised their hand. And then he asked, does anyone own basically anything besides Bitcoin, like Ethereum? And still maybe about 80% of the people kept their hands up. And you could see the panelists sort of, you know, deer in the headlights. 
um, sort of moment. So that my point with that story is that maximalists are in the minority. Most people in Bitcoin are really open to other ideas. So we just got to like keep that in mind. That's a good point. Yeah, the 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 overwhelming majority is just the silent people that just huddle and do their thing while we left alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but you said you said Bitcoin is good in your kind of like moral case, which I think that sounds right for you. What is what do you think are your baseline assumptions that you hold that have allowed you to keep this kind of pragmatic view so that you could, you know, when Monero comes around or Stacks comes around, you have, you know, more fresh eyes in some sense or willingness to change your mind. Like I'll, I'll, I'll kind of like lay up one thing that I could see that could be it, which is that um, freedom is a big kind of like piece for you. And so it's like freedom is good. Bitcoin could serve that purpose, but Bitcoin isn't the base layer. It could be Bitcoin and Stacks and Monero. Um, do you think that's part of it or what, what is kind of your base level, you know, moral compass? No, I think, I think you, you nailed it. I mean, in terms of my moral assumptions, it is that freedom is good. Choice is good. Um, permissionlessness is good. Personal autonomy is good. So all those things are just kind of my personal moral framework. And then I see everything else as neutral tools, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's, you know, encrypted email, whether it's Twitter, these are all just simple tools to accomplish those those larger goals. And then kind of going back to what else you said, like I am a practical person uh, through training. I'm I'm an empiricist. You know, I, I did medical research. I have done a little bit of work in statistics. I've worked in construction. You know, I kind of come from a construction type family. So you, there's kind of you can't really BS that like if you build it and it falls down, then you screwed up. If you build it and it works and you did a good job, you can't you know get out of that. And so I'm just sort of that way by by experience and probably by nature and also because I'm an entrepreneur. So I have no choice but to be practical. Um, I can only use what works and I can't use what doesn't work. And so like Monero is the perfect example. Empirically, it's it's great privacy and fungibility. I'm a business owner. I started to accept Monero and lo and behold, it ended up being that over or right around 60% of our payments received payment method was Monero. So I was surprised. So for me, I'm just practical that way. And also I like the moral goals of, of Monero. So I feel pretty happy with how I approach things. Uh, I think it's the right balance of like, empirical practicality, but also trying to advance some, some, you know, moral goals that I think everyone in crypto pretty much holds. Okay. And you, you mentioned this business. What is this business that you run? Um, This is guns and Bitcoin. So we do an annual conference and then we sell like t-shirts and hats and things like that. Okay. And what's, what is the, I understand that the, the Bitcoin part, I don't have any strong stance on guns, but I do, um, I grew up in the city and there's, I don't know, I love to explore this topic. There's, um, there's an interesting stance on guns. Obviously it's a very debated topic. You know, every, every time there's like a mass shooting, the country's divided. Is it a tool or is it, you know, an unnecessary thing we're putting in the public. And um, as someone who's grew up in the city, I always feel like, you know, safety is just one phone call away. So the need for a gun feels less practical than others. Um, I'm just curious of your stance on that. And maybe what what is someone like me that grew up with this mindset kind of missing? Yeah, it's a whole topic. So I'll be brief. But basically, I see 
um, firearms as self-reliance and not trusting a third party. Because we know in Bitcoin, the idea is don't trust a third party to hold your money, to send your money. You don't want third parties that can fail you or block you. And I see firearms similarly that way to Bitcoin. So you gave a great example of calling 911. Well, that's a trusted third party, right? The police are a third party um, that, that may or may not respond in the way you want to or in time. So you kind of don't want to rely on the police for that. You know, um, for example, imagine you wake up in the middle of the night and someone's trying to break down your door. You hear that. You start to be really afraid for the obvious reasons. You might have 20 seconds to act and the police are five minutes away. So to answer your question directly, I, I see guns as, as uh, a tool of self-reliance. Okay. Do you think, um, and we talked about it with like entrepreneurship, but I have friends who, I've been an entrepreneur for a while. And the thing that my my friends love the idea of it, but I try and tell them like, the, the, the need for accountability is so high as an entrepreneur. Like there's no one to fall back on. You have no boss. It's just you. And so that could be really demoralizing when you make mistakes as you will. Yeah. And I, I see that same thing in myself when it comes to guns, where it's that I get the protection argument, like I'm fully bought in. I'm just not sure I trust myself to like have to deal with repercussions. Do you think that's one of the big variables that sways people's, uh, you know, opinion on it? Absolutely. Um, and I don't think people should own guns unless they are 100% ready and trained and mentally, you know, ready for that. Yeah, that that is a big thing because guns are very dangerous. Um, you know, I grew up differently. So I grew up around guns. Like I remember when I was young, my dad kept the revolver on his nightstand and it was just like normal to us. And going out and shooting in the desert was normal to us. So, so for me, it's, it's normal. Um, and so what I found with people who are either kind of ambivalent about guns or, or maybe anti-gun, they have, they just haven't had the experience with them. So it's sort of this mystery and scary thing. And the most effective thing I've done to try to help people understand the utility of guns is simply to take them shooting, you know, to the gun range or to the desert and in a really safe, you know, easy environment. We can go nice and slow. And once people have done that, they it's still scary um, as, as it kind of should be, but th they they're a lot more comfortable and they realize that. You know, this thing, it's just a metal object. It sits there like a hammer or a saw and nothing happens by just sitting there. It's not going to just blow up like a bomb. It's not going to, you know, shoot me in the foot. It's just a piece of metal and some plastic, really. And once they, they, they realize that and they pick it up, it requires human action and there's safety and you can control the environment. The attitude changes a lot. And it also changes because especially if they have fun shooting, you know, it's like you bring a gallon of milk and some, uh, you know, one liter Coke bottles and it's really fun to see them explode. And so they also realize, you know, this is why all those people love guns because that's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. um, and then they integrate that actual experience. And, you know, like anything, if you've done something yourself, you actually can talk about it. So that that's, I think my answer is just, it's like anything like Bitcoin, people just need to experience it themselves responsibly. And then I think form form a better opinion from there. That's that's well said. I've gotten shooting once that could definitely attest to my fear before it to after that. Mm -hmm. uh, completely less like I consider it now before yeah. I was like, it's not for me. So it, it changed it once you feel it in your hands. It's 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 daunting. You know, that thing packs a punch. 
but it also makes you realize like you know it's it's uh you know great with great power comes great responsibility if you will like you got to treat it with the respect that it deserves yeah, absolutely. Like like anything. And you know, like Bitcoin, we're supposed to self-custody our Bitcoin. That's a lot of responsibility. You mess up, you lose, you can't call Bitcoin bank and get your money back. And like you talked about being an entrepreneur, it's the same thing. It takes a lot of responsibility. So, you know, guns aren't for everyone. Entrepreneurship isn't quite for everyone. Self-custody Bitcoin isn't for everyone. And it's just kind of important to, you know, do what you can do. It's it's not all or nothing. It's, you know, it's a spectrum, I think. Yeah. Um, okay, another another topic I'm curious at your perspective on because you you, know, you talked about Bitcoin Monero stacks, which if you're looking at it from like their technical use cases, that's like the perfect trifecta. You got you know this base level currency with a global network. You got this privacy tool, and then you have this programmability like expressive tools, smart contracts layer. But privacy is one of those things that like it's kind of like decentralization, where it's like most people don't care about it until it's too late. Yeah. And I'm definitely in that camp. And it, it seems like it kind of falls in that responsibility thing where you can't assume the government's going to have your best interest at heart. So you have to use the best tools currently exist to protect yourself. Um, how do you view privacy? I know it's a big, a big question, but start there. Yeah, you know, privacy is is hard. It's It's very hard and it's not all or nothing. It's on a spectrum and requires constant vigilance and updating and and but what i found is first just getting the fundamentals right and then it just becomes a habit you know start with the simple things like using proton mail instead of gmail using a vpn every time um and and on and on just start with the most basic things don't use google um as much as you can avoid it's kind of hard in some ways these days but just trying to all these little things. And then once you make that switch to a different app, a different platform becomes less to think about like using signal. I only use signal for my text messages. So it becomes easier when you just make these basic shifts. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not easy. And if you go too far with it, then you become paranoid and you don't enjoy life and you don't form friendships. So it, it's, it's on a spectrum, but like you said, if you wait until you need privacy, it's it's too late. And to kind of take this back to um, you know Bitcoin and maximalism for a second, I think part of the problem with maximalism is it prevents people from having privacy solutions um, because they're so focused on Bitcoin only. They don't get the benefits of say Monero or maybe you know that that Ether Cash um, and all these other things. Um, they they actually are holding people back from having better privacy. So that's just something to sort of add on to that privacy conversation. Yeah, it seems like the the entire it always it always goes down to convenience versus privacy, and it's like, is it worth the headache? And so for for you, what is it? What is the biggest benefit you gain by kind of like? um subjecting yourself to this inconvenience to have these privacy tools for me it's peace of mind it's peace of mind having privacy that not everyone can view everything about my life um you know like i message my my brother i don't want people being able to intercept and read my email and text messages to him so it's just peace of mind that i can sort of live my life without having to you know, worry about what other people might might think. 
or or harm me. You know, it does prevent harm. Um, and I think everyone understands that. And, you know, it's strange because um, people who who are sort of against privacy have never had to need it either because they're have never lived in a country that's oppressive or they are, but they're in the group that isn't oppressed in that country. So it's really interesting when you talk about privacy with different people. That's a good point. Um, okay. We've covered, we've covered most of my topic. Actually, we're, we're cruising to this cruising to this uh, interview. So the last question, I have two more actually, although we covered some of it, but maybe we could circle back on that one just to be more clear is uh, painting a better path forward for Bitcoin. So like for me, I'm trying to be, you know, I, I now identify as a Bitcoiner, which I before I was a stacker-ish, mm-hmm. but now I'm like, I'm a Bitcoiner, you know, like I want Bitcoin to win. I hold Bitcoin as my biggest holding. Um, I'm believing the thesis, but I'm open-minded enough to know that like I'll watch Liquid, I'll watch Lightning, I'll watch Stacks, and they're all they're all equal participants in my mind. And, and and so are tokens if they're vetted correctly, like do your due diligence. Um, so that's how I'm doing my kind of like better brand of Bitcoiner, if you will. Um, what's your thoughts on like, if people want to be more practical, you know, take some tips from someone who's been in the space a while, what what, what can we do to uh, be better Bitcoiners and like help the people who are going to be onboarding the next, you know, billion users? Yeah, I think the main thing is just to use Bitcoin. I see a lot of people get caught up in the social sphere of Bitcoin or the theory of, of Bitcoin or the philosophy and and you just got to use it. You know, you just got to like take $10 and buy something with your Bitcoin at a t-shirt store that accepts Bitcoin. Download, you know, a Bitcoin wallet and put money there, run a node. And I think just from these first principles of just, You'd be amazed, actually, at how many people really don't use the full suite of Bitcoin tools. Even like podcasters have been found out that they weren't even self-custodying. So um, we can't underestimate just using the fundamental tools of of Bitcoin. And once you you do that, you've changed yourself. It's like the idea, well, if you want to change the world, look in the mirror and change yourself. And so since so many Bitcoiners actually don't really run Bitcoin, that's probably the best thing is to start with ourselves. And then once you do that, I think you're on the right path to understanding better things, advocating for things, using tools that actually are effective, building tools that are effective. Okay. And so for for a um a maximalist in some sense, that would mean, you know, tryout stacks, something like that. Like you can't, you can't a good point of view might be you can't have a critique of something until you've tried it kind of thing. Exactly. And that's that's my critique of maximalism is these people are a lot of maximalists are barely lit- literate on Bitcoin, much less these other coins. And so that's why encouraging people actually use Bitcoin helps get past um, that hang up. But the other thing we can do is is build and, and Stacks is great. Like I'm building Trajan, which is a reputation and identity app. I think everyone knows what LinkedIn, a lot of people use it. They see the utility there, but they also see all the the downsides to LinkedIn. So I'm hoping by building Trajan, it will bring on a whole bunch of new people who maybe at first don't even care about Stacks and barely know what Web3 is, but they do understand the utility of NFTs and signed transactions and signed recommendations. And so that's a good way to bring people in is building tools and 
finally like NFTs, NFTs like bring a lot of people in, into a cryptocurrency and hopefully into Bitcoin now with like all these great stacks, NFT um, applications. I'm, I'm really optimistic about that. Likewise. Okay. I want, I want to actually end. That's a good segue on Trajan. Um, we were on a space recently. We talked a little bit about it, but I actually don't know too much about it. So what is, what is Trajan that you're building on stacks? Yeah. So it's a web three reputation and identity application. And it's similar to LinkedIn. You create your profile, you have your photo, you have a summary of your work. You can link to your Twitter and your social media. Um, and then after that, you it's, it's two parts. So first, you can receive endorsements, just like on LinkedIn, like I can endorse you for podcasting or for communication. And on LinkedIn, it's just, you know, words on a page. But with Trajan, you actually send NFTs, you give someone an NFT as an endorsement. So, you know, if, if Jake had a, a profile at Trajan, I would send you an NFT for podcasting, I would endorse that skill from you. I might also also endorse you for communication because you're a good communicator. And so over time, you build up this gallery of NFT endorsements um, that are obviously very visual. And also you can trace that back to who gave it to you. So there's no like faking the endorsements, creating 10 accounts, or at least it becomes much harder because you could trace everything back on the blockchain in the smart contract. So those NFT endorsements that you receive have greater... I would say validity um, because they're traceable and also um, because you could verify the identity of the person who sent them. So that's kind of the, the first part. It's an endorsement application. And then also like LinkedIn, where you could actually write um, like a recommendation or a letter recommendation. Um, I could write about Jake and Jake, you know, he's a great podcaster. He's good at communicating, he understands stacks very well. I could write like two paragraphs uh, recommending you. And then I actually would sign that with my wallet, right? My stacks wallet. So that's like cryptic, uh, cryptographic verification of my recommendation that I gave to you. And what's great about these recommendations and endorsements are they pretty much live forever because they're on the blockchain. And so it doesn't matter if like Trajan goes away, mm -hmm. if we don't like Jake and we somehow figure out a way to, to, to block you or something. I don't know how we would even do that, but your 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 endorsements and your accomplishments are with you um, forever. So that's sort of the first part. And that's all built on your web wallet address, which is your identity. Um, and if you have like a .BTC name, that's your identity. So that's the first part. Once you've established your reputation, uh, through these NFT skill and character endorsements and education endorsements. So real quick, you can endorse anything, education, skills, um, personality, anything like that. So you build up this reputation of all your accomplishments and what makes you great. And then you can actually mint your own NFTs and we call these patron NFTs. So you might mint, you know, Jake NFTs and people who want to support your show would buy your Jake NFTs. And the image might be just a thank you card, or maybe it gets you early access to episodes. So not only can you build up your reputation, you can actually do something with that reputation, like tangible, and you can have these digital assets that you create based on your reputation. And with LinkedIn and Web2, you can't, can't do that. So the short version is, is that Trajan is a Web3 uh, LinkedIn and even Glassdoor. Okay. And, and that last piece sounds like it's almost... Um... Patreon-esque? Is that the, the closest correlative? Yeah, that's exactly it. Because if you look at how effective uh, Patreon and other applications have been, it really has enabled a lot of people to 
you know, either as a side gig or full-time produce good content and be rewarded for that. And it's, it's so nice with Patreon and those things to interact and support people that are doing good work. And Trajan just takes that into web 3.0 with, with NFTs and in, um, enables further functionalities and actual digital assets. Um, so it's, it's really interesting how much our reputation matters and like stacks and web 3.0 allows us to actually leverage that into tangible digital goods. Yeah, this, I, I love this idea. I've been, um, I've been very curious about this correlation between identity and reputation and you see it, you see it on, I think Reddit is probably the best example on Vine mainly because you can't change your name and you can't pass your karma to any other account. So like you, you work hard to build up your name. If you care about your name on Reddit and you get, you get these karma points and they build. And so when you hop into a community, they can see, Oh, you've been an active participant. You're a high value contributor. And I've I've always felt that that's a big piece missing, especially as we go into this kind of like pseudonymous economy where all the value I'm creating in discord or on here, when I go to the internet at large, it's it's super siloed. Even mm-hmm. LinkedIn, like unless you're a professional, you know, you work in the professional space, you're not on LinkedIn. Like it's it's a higher brow network, if you will. So this th- this sounds like it's that, but on open protocol standards. So you can plug it into any application. And would that be the ultimate goal? Yeah, you're completely right. Uh, silo is the correct word. So you build a rep a reputation on Reddit. And then you have a separate reputation on Discord. And then you have a separate reputation on LinkedIn. You have a separate reputation on Twitter. You have a separate reputation on GitHub. So you have all these silos and they might all be different, even usernames on all these different things. Um, And the good things you did on, say, Reddit, those accomplishments aren't shown on your accomplishments as a Discord user, right? And then LinkedIn, they're all siloed. And so... What Trajan does is allow those to all come together. So I might give you a um, NFT endorsement for something you said on Reddit. And I might give you an endorsement for your Discord activity. Like Jake's a great contributor to this Discord channel. He really answered my question. Um, And then I might do that on GitHub. And I might do it just maybe we meet in person and we have a great conversation. And so I'll endorse you for that conversation. Like Jake really helped me understand this weird thing I didn't understand before about stacks. So Trajan becomes sort of this repository of NFTs of endorsements and character endorsements and credential endorsements that you could then take across uh, different applications. Like for example, let's say you have your Trajan profile and all this is controlled and stored by your wallet. Well, you sign in to say Gamma or Hele or Byzantium and people could see your um, NFT endorsements there that you created on Trajan. Um, and so it's kind of this nice reputation system that could that could kind of um, put everything together on these different platforms. And then you could then take across different places. Very cool. I, I love it. Is there, what's the timeline for as you're building this out? So right now we're, we're getting ready to do our public launch. Um, it's always it always takes longer than you think. So we're we're trying to get to that finish line of a uh, public release of our MVP. Um, hopefully very soon. If I give a date, I'm sure I'll be wrong, so I won't. But hopefully very soon. And then once we launch, it's just a matter of scaling up, adding features, fundraising, um, and the Stacks Foundation has given us two grants, so that's been very helpful in building it out. So that's that's where we are today. We've done private uh, beta testing, and so we're just trying to get to that first milestone of a public launch 
Very cool. That's definitely something to watch. Well, man, this is a this has been a fantastic uh, interview. Thank you for taking the time. Any any closing thoughts or things that I didn't touch on? No, I think this is a bit been a good like good concise conversation about a, multiple topics. And uh, yeah, I appreciate what you say on Twitter and kind of I like your sort of neutral stance, but well informed stance and open minded. But you still have you put in your opinions, but like you're reasonable. And so I, I appreciate this podcast and the other content you produce because I feel like, you know, that's someone that's worth listening to. They're not too biased, but they know what they're talking about. So, yeah, I guess just thanks for having me on your podcast, I guess. My man, my pleasure. Th- thank you for saying that. I try and find that balance of, uh, you know, not speaking too much of my own shit and remaining. I, I have this idea of being a bridge builder where like to be a bridge builder properly, you have to be understood enough by both sides. Like I get you and I get you, which means I have to like see myself in both sides, if you will. So I feel like I'm I'm in the middle by way of being torn, not by being in the middle. So uh, thank you for saying that. that. That means a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, um. I guess last thing is the the typical shout outs for where people can find out more about you and what you're building. Oh, thanks. Uh, I'm active on Twitter and that's at Ragnarly, R-A-G-N-A-R-L-Y. And then I have my personal website, ragnarly.com. And that's, that's it for now. And then once Trajan is up, I'll be there. Perfect. And yeah, like you said, we covered, uh, we did a brief dive into many topics. So if people listen to this and they want to hear any, you know, deep dives in this topic, feel free to comment. Maybe we can do a round two and just go hard into whatever people want to see. So, uh, but until that time, Ragnar, thank you so much, man. Have a, have a good one. Thanks, Jay. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way. I'll be right here waiting. I've been waiting out. I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out. Make it out, cause I don't think about everything going wrong in my house.